This is Crime Connections, and we're your host. I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. Two teenage girls murdered together and their killer never found. Now investigators are reopening the cases. 13-year-old Colette Anise Wilson has been missing for one month now, and her whereabouts are still a mystery. They found Maria Johnson yesterday. Today, they found Debbie Ackerman. We've got some more breaking news this time in Southeast Houston, where investigators and volunteers have been busy searching a field now for days. Authorities in Texas have released the names of two women whose bodies were found in the so-called Texas killing fields. And we are beginning with one of the longest running real life mysteries in Houston's history. For the first time on TV, a man confesses to one of the killing fields murders. In last week's episode, I gave you 36 girls slash or women who went missing or was found dead in Harrison, Galveston, and Brazoria counties in Texas. In today's part two of the Texas Killing Fields, I will be discussing some possible suspects the local law enforcement came up with and some of the men convicted in related crimes. In 1972, Michael Self was a gas station operator and convicted sex offender from Galveston, Texas. He became a suspect in the murders of Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. After hours of interrogation, Michael confessed to the murders. He was taken to the district prison, later aiding with locating the bodies. In the following months, he retracted his confession, claiming that he had been tortured into confessing. He claimed the interrogators suffocated him with a plastic bag, burned him with cigarette butts, and burned him with the radiator, as well as being assaulted by the police chief, Don Morris. But he helped them find their bodies. Well, on September 18, 1974, Michael was convicted of killing Shaw and received a life imprisonment term, despite the fact that his confessions showed great discrepancies concerning the victim's clothing the date of the murders, the location of the bodies, how they were killed, and various other details. So in reality, they say originally that he helped, but he actually didn't really know much of anything. So they coerced him into a confession yes. and kind of fed him some details that maybe yes. he helped them? Yep. Okay, so basically like the Jessica Baggins situation. All over again. All over again. Okay. Yes. So in 1976, Don Morris which is the police chief and his deputy, Tommy Deal, were arrested and convicted of various crimes, including torture and other misconduct against detainees. Michael Self died on December 21st of 2000, still in custody. It was only after his death that a number of police officials came forward, including the former Harris County District Attorney, and they all stated their belief that Michael Self was wrongfully convicted. So shocker. Unfortunately, it happens too often. In the 1970s, another local resident, Edward Bell, a known exhibitionist, was also considered a suspect. He had been arrested at least 12 times on charges of showing his genitals to children, but each time avoided imprisonment. Sounds like a winner. Bell lived on the beach in Galveston and owned a surf shop. He even knew two of the victims, Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson, who frequented his store often. In the mid-1970s, he acquired a plot of land in the Dickinson area and lived near the place where two victims, Brooks Bracewell and Georgia Gear, were last seen alive. In 1978, Bell, while masturbating on the street in front of a group of teenage girls, was confronted by 26-year-old former Marine Larry Dickens while his mother called the police. Dickens removed the keys from Bell's vehicle and refused to return them. In retaliation, Edward killed him. Bell fled and was subsequently apprehended by the police. He posted bail several weeks later, 
How do you get bail after murdering someone? I don't know. How does that even make sense? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Oh, my goodness. So, in order to avoid conviction and further incarceration, he fled Texas and escaped from the United States, evading police for more than two decades. In 1994, he was arrested in Panama and extradited back to the United States, where he was subsequently convicted of Dickens' murder and received a 70-year sentence. In 1998, Bell wrote several letters to the Harrison County attorney, confessing to the murders of five girls in 1971 and six more between 1974 and 1977. He stated that he did not remember the names of most of his victims, but confidently stated that he had killed Debbie Ackerman, Maria Johnson, Colette Wilson, and Kimberly Pitchfork, as well as two other then-unnamed girls who had been abducted from Webster in August 1971, which were later identified as Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. And those are all very young girls, like Mm -hmm. 16 and under. Yes. Despite this, Bell was never charged with these murders since no evidence, biological or otherwise, incriminated him. He remained a prime suspect until his death in April of 2019. Well, that, he'll, he'll be missed. What a shame. But it does make sense because if he was caught masturbating in front of a group of teenage girls, the girls he says he killed were prime targets of what he liked to do. Yep. Yep. It just makes sense. Yep. It's pretty terrible, too, though, because he was never convicted. In May 1997, William Lewis Reese was arrested for the kidnapping and attempted murder of 19-year-old Sandra Seppo from Webster, Texas. He was found guilty and convicted, receiving a 60-year imprisonment term. In 2015, his DNA was matched to the killer of 19-year-old Tiffany Johnston, who was found murdered in Oklahoma in 1997. After his revelation, Reese confessed to killing Jessica Kane and Kelly Cox, leading the investigators to the body's burial sites. He is additionally suspected of kidnapping and killing 12-year-old Laura Smither, but in this case, Reese insisted on his innocence. In 2021, Reese was convicted of Johnston's murder and sentenced to death. In 2013, Mark Rowland Stallings, a convicted kidnapper serving a life term, confessed to killing a girl in 1991 and later dumping her body in the fields, who was later identified as Donna Prudhomme. But Donna, wasn't she found with someone else? Or she was found with someone else, but they weren't last seen together. Correct. Okay, okay. At the time of the murder, Stallings was living and working in League City and was near the homes of some of the girls who went missing and were later found dead. Despite the fact that his testimony shows great consistency with details, he hasn't been charged with any murders yet, but remains a suspect in the murders of Donna Prudhomme and Audrey Cook, as well as two other murders in Fort Bend County. Which, I'm just like, what are you people waiting for? I don't understand it. So, some convictions that have happened since. In April 2012, 16 years after Crystal Baker's beaten, raped, and strangled body was found, Kevin Edson Smith was arrested and convicted of murdering her. In 2009, Smith had been arrested on a drug charge in Louisiana. At the same time, a detective tested Baker's dress for DNA. A match was confirmed using advanced technology that was not available at the time of Crystal's disappearance. A jury deliberated for about 30 minutes and found Smith guilty. He was sentenced to life in prison. In 1987, 30-year-old John Robert King phoned the El Paso police claiming that on May 24th of 1986, he, together with 33-year-old Gerald Swarst, attacked Shelley Sykes while she was in her car. 
after which the girl was raped and strangled. After his arrest, Swarst told the police that he had hidden the body in one of the fields where the other bodies were found. Both men were asked to indicate the whereabouts of Sykes' body in exchange for dodging the life sentence, but their directions failed to uncover it. King and Swartz were convicted of aggravated kidnapping and received life imprisonment sentences in 1998. Some interesting things I had found while doing research. There was a girl who was abducted. She was 13 years old in March of 1996 in LaPorte, Texas. She was almost kidnapped. She jumped out of the car and then luckily a cop was nearby, was able to save and help her. But the truck was a late model Ford Ranger. It was green. The suspect inside the vehicle was a 35 to 45 year old man who was about six feet to six feet two. He had graying black hair and graying black beard. The truck had never been seen before or after the incident and they were thinking that maybe this was possibly related to some of the girls that I had listed mentioned earlier. Mentioned earlier, yes. Which could mean he was from out of town, came in, tried kidnapping someone and leaving, which is why he's never been seen again. I don't know. In Arlington, Texas, there was a nine-year-old little girl, Amber Hagerman. She was abducted and murdered, which is why there is now called the Amber Alert. It was named after her. This is a national program that is dedicated to all children nationwide who have been abducted. In January of 1996, she was riding her bicycle in a parking lot near her home. A neighbor heard her scream and saw a man pull her off her bike and throw her into the front seat of his dark pickup truck and drive away at high speed. January 17th of 1996, Amber's body was found in a drainage ditch located by apartments which are located on Green Oaks Boulevard, a short distance west of Highway 360 in Arlington, Texas. She had been sexually assaulted and her throat had been cut multiple times with a knife. Like in the case of Laura Smither, both girls were nude except for sucks. If the two cases are related, it's never been proven or determined publicly, though the prime suspect in Smither's death is William Reese. So I thought the Amber Alert thing was interesting because it was around the same time all those women had gone missing. I, I agree. And it's something that we still use a lot today. I mean, there's oh, so for, many times yeah. my phone will go off. Yes. You know, and even though the Texas killing fields is a big case, but I've never heard of it until I heard of the... Laura Miller. Laura Miller missing. Or, I mean, she's not missing of her death. The whole thing is not very... It's not covered very well. Uh, I've looked into it, and I'm sure it's due to how old it is. Yeah. I mean, the older a case is, the less information, unless it was, like, super... Yeah. All over the media. Like I said, there is a movie about it, but not many articles or reporting done, which just blows my mind because we as a society want to make money from things and glamorize them, but we also don't want to find out like the, the truth, I guess. Some possibilities I thought of while reading all these stories. One, I don't think, like I said, I don't think one person did all this, obviously. I don't either. I think it could be a few because um, some seem related. I also really, really think that some of these, if not a big chunk of these victims, were killed by a possible truck driver. I was literally thinking that, too, because everything's so close to the highway. Yes. And then you have the girl from Connecticut that ends up in Texas somehow, and she was known to be hitchhiking. Hitchhiking was huge. So huge. And... Oh, heck no. But 
who did you go to if you if you wanted to go a long distance? You went with a truck driver that was going a long distance. Especially if you were running away or yeah, you, your and, parents wouldn't take you. And now you're the perfect victim mm-hmm. of this crime. And it's it, and it's just all so close. And it just takes me back to, I, I think his name was Dr. No. I'm pretty sure I've already mentioned this in a case before. And then the Chillicothe case. Like, there is a good chance that the person doing that was someone that would come in and out of town at a certain time. And that kind of sounds like this. Like, they're yeah. all happening in the same year. If you have the same route, you can go there all the time. It seems like it probably someone out of town because... Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I, to me, it does at least. It's just there's so much going on there, and there's so many different motives. You have someone being decap. You have multiple someone's being mm-hmm. nearly de- decapitated or decapitated. You have blunt force traumas to the head. You have gunshot wounds. You have strangulations. Those are all different motives, and most of the time, when you're a serial killer, you stick to the same motive. Yeah, you're not like switching it every no because so often no because they they have a specific way they do it, and they like doing it that way because one they haven't been caught, mm-hmm. and that's just their that's their thing. Well, and then I also was looking at it because towards the end I said older a few older women, mm-hmm. and my thought was well I know now okay. This is so stupid of me to say. But when I watch Criminal Minds, <laughs> even that damn Criminal Minds, like they talk about, which, okay, I'm not saying this is fact because I don't know how truthful Criminal Minds is. I would hope they would just be like somewhat factual. Yeah, just because it's a show like right. about crime, but you never know. Um, they'll say things along the lines of like typically a serial killer, as they age, their victims can get older. Sometimes, but I feel like a lot of times they say the same victim profile. But normally serial killers don't last for 30 years. That's true. So they don't have the opportunity to age with their victims um, or victim preference. So I don't... That, that's just something I wanted to mention because I thought about it. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like tinfoil hatty. But <laughs> um, I thought maybe, you know, he was getting older. Um, there's time periods where there's like a long period before a, a girl was abducted slash or found and they could be put away. Yeah. I mean, a lot um, of times you think that a, a criminal has stopped their th- killings or their crime sprees, but it turns out they're just in jail for, you know, six to eight X months. Of, yep. Or, I mean, maybe he didn't have that same route if he mm-hmm. was a truck driver or he took yeah. some time off. I had mentioned earlier that Texas is one of the states that collects DNA from fel- or from criminals right? Um, that go into the prison system. And I wanted to look into that and see what the specifications are of that. So I looked it up and it said the Texas Department of Public Safety, so DPS, passed a law that authorizes the collection of DNA samples from individuals charged with 24 qualifying felonies and compares the offender's sample to existing crime scene DNA profiles in the nationwide CODIS database. The law, also known as Crystal Jean Baker Act, went into effect on September 1st of 2019. Maybe some of these DNA profiles could help some of these cases. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you have somewhere they went missing in 1990, and now they're getting found out in, like, 2015, Mm -hmm. 2016. Yeah. So... Who's to say some of these women aren't going to have their justice here very soon? Yes. Especially with the genetic genealogy and everything going that on with alone, that. That's a huge Let's thing. Just, like, it's wild. I I love it. I hope oh, that, I, I do too. It's I hope amazing. these women get their justice. I hope their families get some closure. Mm-hmm. Just because you have their body doesn't mean that, that everything's fixed. You want to know who hurt your baby. Mm-hmm. So hopefully... Yeah. 
Well, and this has only been going on since 2019. So, I mean, that's not even that long. And I know I from stories I've heard and when I was looking into things that the system is so backed up because now they're trying to run X amount of years of blood samples through the CODIS so it's like well, backed yeah, up. You have you have all the things that happened way back in the day that mm-hmm. there was DNA, but they didn't have the technology. Then you have all the current cases going on, and then you mix in COVID nineteen, and that really put a halt to a lot of things. A going lot of on. things, yeah. So you've got they a lot, lost the whole year. Yeah, you've got a lot going on. So who's to say within the next few years we don't have answers to these? So some of these are something. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said earlier, this is only three counties. That 35 women have gone missing slash or found dead. And that's just what we know of. In three counties. And I did not look super further into this because reading 35 women's like little story or intro or whatever you want to say, that's obviously a long amount of time. So I'm not trying to make a huge... Yeah, we don't want you to just shut the thing off, off, shut off the podcast because you're like, oh my god, and how many one. more? Yeah, and another one, and it's like, well, you have to, you have to tell them, yeah. tell their names because that's that's their story that mm-hmm. they deserve the same coverage. The as five seconds of me talking. Yeah, they deserve more. That. So yeah, like you said, that's that's just the 35 women I found. Okay, so that does not include women identifying, women that were never reported missing, women that were possibly prostitutes or lived in that type of uh, industry. I mean, it could be so many more women and like we've encountered before, counties a lot of times do not communicate with each other on what is happening in their county. Well, and you know what I was thinking too is like there's some of the Jane Doe's that were very, very much younger, like, you know, in the, the 13 to 16 range. We're not even covering some of the kids that were maybe in the foster system that also didn't get reported because the foster parents are still collecting money yes. from them missing. Yes. So, I mean, we have you have that whole side of it, too. So Yeah. You just... You don't know. No. I looked it up, and I it was like, Texas alone has like 254 counties. So only out of three of the 254, there's 35 women in a 30-year period. There's more. They just don't know about insane. them. Like, and then I was also trying to look up like the average amount of people gone missing per county, and that is not a statistic people come up with. They do not put that out there, and I, I couldn't figure out how, like how to find that out to be honest. Because I was wondering, is that like a normal amount of women or people going missing? Because that doesn't include men going missing either. That's just women who are similar in age and similar in looks. So I mean, there could be even more of just like different. Genders, genders, um, profile in general of what they look like and everything. Like I said, I couldn't find a number to throw out there, but I just thought the whole Texas is huge. And the fact that they have 200 and it was like 254, 253 counties. And so three of those had 35 women gone missing slash or found dead in 30 years. That's like, wow. So one last thing I do want to mention is Hollywood and people in general want to always glamorize things. In reality, only six of these girls slash or women were found in the killings field, but they want to associate the at least 30 women to this field. Now, like I said, in, with each victim, they were within 40 miles of San Leon where the fields are located. And that's pretty close. I mean, that's not that far. No. So when you research this or hear about it, people automatically say 30 women were found dead in this field. That they always, I don't know why, but that's like what I kept seeing. And it's like, no, 
six women were found in the field. Possibly there could be more, obviously. But this the truth is, that's not how it is. Like, yes, the idea of it Hollywood-wise, it's very intriguing and you want to hear about it, but it's not completely factual. Yeah. But thank you guys for listening. As always, don't forget to follow and subscribe. Leave a review if you like what you are hearing. Only if you like us, though. Yes, please, only. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod or on Facebook at Crime Connections. Thanks, guys. Thank you.